Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, joined by my sidekick and co-host, Harley Schultz. Harley, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, considering that it is just a couple weeks before Christmas, and realistically, I, we've made it through an entire season of football, Basically, at least from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah. It, it, it's really all you could ask for going into the year, right? Well... Yeah, I mean, it really is, honestly. I mean, and I've gotten on this soapbox before, but it is. It's gone further than I thought it would be. It's been challenging. Um, that's for certain. Um, both for some NFL teams as well as for fantasy owners with the way COVID struck. Um, but I'm also not sure that we're not in some twilight zone. The Cleveland Browns are playing tonight. Of course, we're recording this on a Monday evening. They sit at 9-3. and three. They actually have a path. They have odds of a... They have better odds of a path to winning their division than Trump does of the presidency since the Electoral College voted today and certified Joe Biden as president-elect. How's that? Well, I don't know if the odds are that good. <laughs> They've got to be better. Um, but it, yeah, no, I she, put it this way. So I said, well, you're going to come watch the game with me after, the, after I'm done recording? And she goes, no. She refuses to watch because she just can't. She doesn't want to be let down. I said, "Well, what if the score is thirty-six to seven? She goes, 75 to two. Call me. I'll come watch when it's seventy-five to two." I, you know, I'm looking at this week, and it looks like Baltimore's gotten most of their players back off the COVID list. Uh, I, I know that your wife is a Browns fan, but. I really don't like their chances tonight. <laughs> I think it'll be a statement win, honestly, if they can pull off a win. I won't be surprised if they lose to Baltimore. I do think it's a benefit that they're in Cleveland. Not as much if it was a full stadium, stadium of course. But, you know, I told her, I said, you might need to pick a better, te- a different team then. I said, because if you can't watch them when they're bad and you can't watch them when they're good, when are you going to watch them? Well, are there any weather conditions tonight? I haven't seen uh, too much footage of the stadium yet. It's Cleveland. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't either. They've had some interesting weather games already this year. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't think there's anything out of the ordinary tonight. Um, But, yeah, I I think I could see this being a completely, like, 35-34 type game, or I could also see it being, like, a 17-13 type game, too. Well, I'm, for one, will be happy to see that we won't have Baltimore and or Pittsburgh in the primetime game next week, right? It seems like every single game for the last uh, two weeks, last three weeks at least, has been Baltimore and or Pittsburgh playing because of all their reschedulings. Yes, it does seem that way. I think Pittsburgh yesterday was their third game in 12 days. <laughs> I mean, think about it, that's pretty crazy. Anyway, um, I guess what we should say is, so today is what, December 14th. It is the day the Electoral College casted votes. We will not be casting Electoral College votes, but we will have a segment casting votes for who we feel are the top 10 dynasty wide receivers and tight ends for next year and beyond. Um, Way too early to have that, but that's what we're going to cast our votes on. And then, of course, we will do our DFS segment, but none of that can happen. None of that can happen until and only then Once, Harley Schultz gives us this week's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Gardner Minshew is once again the starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, thus proving that Doug Marone does not know how to tank at all. Perhaps Doug should take some coaching advice from an expert on the subject of tanking. You know, someone like, say... Adam Gase. (laughs) Denver Broncos kicker Brandon McManus was placed on the COVID list today due to being in close contact with someone who had a positive test. In other kicker news, 
the Minnesota Vikings attempted to place Dan Bailey on that same list because everyone he was in close contact with on Sunday is currently violently ill. <laughs> Sam Darnold declared today that he wants to be a Jet for life. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems fairly early in Darnold's career for him to willfully accept the job as a backup quarterback. <laughs> Due to a plethora of injuries to their pass-catching corpse, the Miami Dolphins are expected to activate Isaiah Ford off of their practice squad for the Week 15 game against New England. This is notable since Ford was traded from the Dolphins to the Patriots earlier this year. Also, Ford actually faced the Patriots back in Week 1, meaning that Ford will get to have both a revenge game and a non-revenge game against the same team while with the same team in the same season. Now that right there is some serious 2020 right there going on. What the heck? <laughs> and finally, just like last week, Christian McCaffrey is expected to return to action this week just in time for the second round of your fantasy playoffs, which you still didn't qualify for. This has been your BPN News Update. That was the softball of all softballs. That one I saw coming from 5,000 miles away. I mean, that was an easy one, but that was a good one. That was so frustrating last week. I mean, you wait all season on Christian McCaffrey. It sounds like he's going to play, and then he comes up with some limp lame injury on Thursday. <laughs> it's even worse that his buy is in the last week that you would need to qualify to get into the playoffs. Oh, I forgot all about that. That was just like insult to injury. Yeah. So you, you go, Oh, I really need him to get in the playoffs. And then you, Oh, I squeaked in. Yes, I can now. You, oh no, I can't use him. Or, Oh yeah. I, I somehow I squeaked in on the final week and I squeaked out a win last week. I'll be able to get him, get him this week and get into the final. Oh no. Nope. <laughs> So. I actually, I managed in, in the one league, that my one dynasty league that I do have Christian McCaffrey in, I managed to acquire Mike Davis partially through the season. It, it cost me a second round pick next year. So it's a sizable price to pay. But Davis gave me a couple of serviceable games. He helped me this week make it through, which is good. So, I mean, knock on wood, I don't need to use Mike Davis again the rest of the year. There, there you go. There's always got to find a silver lining. Exactly. So the silver lining in listening to a fantasy podcast in a week where you're probably out of the playoffs is that we're going to cover dynasty picks for you. Oh, I love dynasty picks. Uh, who was your Who was your favorite character on Dynasty? Oh, um, let's see. You know, I'm old enough for that show too. So. Oh, exactly. <laughs> um, my favorite character on Dynasty. It had to be, believe it or not. The old man, Bo Derek's oh, husband. Yes, totally. <laughs> what was his name? I can't remember his name. I, I know who you're talking about, and I'm in the same boat again. We're both old. Yep. Uh, forgive us that, but it, it, it was a it was a great show for what it is. And I I believe maybe like what four years ago they attempted to remake it. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. I don't, I'm not surprised. Hollywood, and here's what a lot of people think, that Hollywood just remakes stuff because they're lazy. You know that's not why Hollywood remakes things. They remake things because they have the rights to them and it's cheaper. Well, I, I think part of it is that they're lazy. It's just that they run out of good ideas. Yeah, that too. <laughs> that too. Um, and it costs money to create new ideas. So, Old Man Carrington. That's it. You you hit Google machine, didn't you? I did. Google's actually working for me right now. Oh, that's right. It was down earlier today, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, I think I didn't witness it being down. Uh, for those that don't know, I actually have a day job, although I am partially unemployed right now due to the pandemic and the orders of our governor here to shut down all the bars and restaurants in Minnesota. But I did actually have some work today. So I was out, and I missed out on the uh, entirety of the Google shutdown. It is working again for me. So it'd be interesting to see what uh, what happened with that. And yeah. we, we're hearing rumors of like um, like the Pentagon and the Fed being hit with issues right now. So, <laughs> but nobody cares about that. All they're worried about is that they couldn't get on Google and find stuff, and couldn't watch YouTube videos, and you know that's what they're really worried well, about. Well, as long as they can get on Google and or just go directly to thehuddle.com, 
or their favorite podcast 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 stream, streaming service to download our podcast tomorrow morning. See, this would work so much better if I was so quick on my feet. I, you said podcast, and that podcast, and that made me think of another show, and now I can't think of the daggone name of the show. It's kind of a spinoff of, of Dynasty. Oh, what was it? Falcon Crest. There you go. Falcon Crest. Yes. What, what was, who was your favorite character on that show? You know, I actually did not watch that one. I think at that same time that that was on, I was on a different station watching Remington Steel. Yeah, yeah, okay. Probably Morgan Fairchild would have been my favorite character on that show. So Falcon Crest, Pod Crest, you know, it all works together. <laughs> all right, so let's just get at it. What do, you th- what do you say? You want to start on the Dynasty wide receivers? Let's get the wide receivers out of the way because uh, whereas you like to put off taking quarterbacks uh, after the draft, I always like to put off taking wide receivers. I always find I can find good value late in the draft. And uh, if you are fortunate in a dynasty format to have one of these guys on your roster already, you're in really good shape. But if you don't, or if you're just doing a startup to a dynasty or startup to a uh, empire style league for the future, these are all guys that you might want to target as your top wide receiver because they have a potential to be very valuable for a longer period of time. And I think we should start off. I don't know if we're going to match on a lot. I, I think that on this particular group, uh, we're going to have eight of the 10 be on both lists, but I believe only four will be in the same spot. Uh, eight's a tough number. I'm going to take under on both. Okay. Well, let me get get off the off the horse right away here with the first pick for me. I'm going to go with uh, last week we did top ten quarterbacks in dynasty, and I went with Patrick Mahomes as the number one overall dynasty quarterback. I'm going to go with his top receiver, Tyree Kill. Uh, Mahomes is under contract for the next decade, and Tyree Kill's really the only thing working against him is his own potential for off-the-field problems. As long as Tyreek can keep his nose clean, there's no reason to believe he won't remain the best wide receiver in football for the long foreseeable future. So we have a match right off the um, get-go, and I will say that you kind of touched on something that crafts my top 10. He has a young quarterback that we can depend on to be there. I think you're going to see that's a trend in my top 10 as well, Steve. So I'll give you my next two. So you in go the right t- ahead. So I've got my top three. I think we'll possibly match on number two, but maybe not. Um, my number two is DeAndre Hopkins, who will be even more vested in the Arizona offense with a young quarterback in Kyler Murray that he's going to grow with. We already know that he can be the number one wide receiver in all of fantasy football. So I think putting him at number two with such a high upside quarterback in an offense that's going to be crafted around those two, and you don't think Cliff, Cliff, Cliff Kringsbury. <laughs> Cliff, We're having some fun with names today, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, Cliff Kringle. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, you don't think he's really going anywhere over the next two, three years, right? So nope. that's why I have DeAndre Hopkins as my number two pick. And at number three, this is probably where we go off the rails a little bit between the two of us. I've got a guy who has a rookie quarterback, that has excelled this year. That kind of scares me a little bit because usually there could be some sophomore setback. But he's still relatively young when it comes to the wide receiver position. And I believe that he'll be over 100 receptions this week once he grabs one ball. And that's Keenan Allen. I like both of those two guys. Neither is my two or three, but they are both in my top six. Okay. So, for me, I put DeAndre Hopkins at number four with much the argument that he went to a new team this season and he remains a hugely part, a huge part of that offense on a new team with a young quarterback, like you said, that's going to be around a while, a coach that's going to be around a while. So I, I definitely like him. I've, I've got him at four. And I've got Allen at six, uh, mainly because, again, he's a target hog. He catches all the passes thrown to him. No real threat to his targets on any other part of that offense. Their second-best receiver is out right now. He's been inconsistent most of the year. Their tight end is going to be moving on to another team next season. So it's, it's basically him and no one else continuing forward for Justin Herbert to throw and, to. And I expect, also, let me jump in, I expect that they'll have a new coach 
who will have a directive to build the offense around that quarterback. And, of course, he's going to build it around that 27- or 28-year-old wide receiver that has shown that when he's healthy, he can get it done. I, I think that there would be a major uprising if there is not a new coach there next year. Yes. Okay. So then who do you uh, So have? back to my two and three. Yes. Uh, at, at number two, I went with the physical beast that I think is probably the closest thing we've seen in the NFL to Randy Moss in his prime, who was also with a quarterback who, well, isn't as young as Herbert and or Kyler Murray. He's with the quarterback who's only 31 years old, that being Russell Wilson. I'm going to go with DK Metcalf as my number two overall, mainly because th there really isn't anyone that can match up with him from a physical standpoint in the NFL right now. Uh, teams are going to have to spend the next two to three years drafting and building defenses to try to shut him down. They did that in the 90s to try to accommodate for Randy Moss in Minnesota. And teams like Green Bay Packers, they actually spent one of their drafts, they drafted their first three picks were cornerbacks, just so they'd have some sort of possibility of shutting him down. That's what's going to happen with the teams in the NFC West and in the NFC at whole to try to, sh to limit Metcalf's potential down the line. Uh, my number three is Michael Thomas. Now, Thomas has been a bit mercurial this year with uh, his uh, questions whether or not he's committed to staying with the Saints. I think he is. Uh, and he's actually remained viable from a fantasy standpoint the last two seasons, despite the fact that he's actually probably played more games with Taysom Hill and Teddy Bridgewater uh, at quarterback, or at least more snaps than he has with Drew Brees. So that means you've given your one, two, three, four, six. Yep. Got to give you number five. My number five is also a wide receiver on a team with a very young quarterback. He's a quarterback that's got one more year under his belt than a guy like Kyler, a couple more than a guy like uh, Herbert, uh, that quarterback being Josh Allen. I'm going to go with another wide receiver who remained a huge contributor despite going to a new team. That being Stefan Diggs. Okay. So, out of everybody that you listed, one through six, you've got Hill, Metcalf, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Stefan Diggs. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. Okay. And I've given you my top three. At four, I have Stefan Diggs, or one off on Diggs. What pushed Diggs down below Hopkins and Allen for me? They both, they all, all three of them have good young quarterbacks, but Buffalo can have bad weather at times. That is a true point. Also, Allen can be a goal line hog, um, so maybe some of those ten yardish to eight yardish touchdown passes wind up being runs. Just nitpicking, right? Nitpicking. Yep. <clears throat> That's what pushed him the four for me. Um, at number five, I have DK Metcalf. Now, what pushes DK Metcalf below those three guys for me is not who he is or what he is. It's Tyler Lockett. It's the fact that they have Tyler Lockett, who I don't expect to go anywhere anytime soon, right? It's also the fact no. that they have Pete Carroll, who wants to run the ball. <coughs> They don't let Russ cook as much as they should. So from a consistency standpoint, and granted, that consistency could get better. And remember, I really think that we're picking nits here, okay? Mm -hmm. That's why I put DK at five. Well, I, it is interesting, though, that we our top six are the same top six. No, they're not. Because I haven't given, oh, that's right. I haven't given you my number six yet. Oh, okay. Michael Thomas is not in my top, top six. This is the okay. first one that we're going to be off on. Um and my number six is Devontae Adams. Well, it's interesting you bring up Devontae Adams because he is, in fact, my number seven. Uh, Devontae, surprisingly, is only 27 years old. Yeah. He's going to get at least one more year. He's an unrestricted free agent after next season. They have at least one more year with Rodgers. Uh, Rodgers is actually locked down uh, through 20. Uh, he, he's... Under contract through 2023, uh, he's got a reasonable buyout amount in 2023, so he's likely to stay there at least until 2022, unless they can find a trading partner for him. 
or unless he decides to retire early, which I don't think is going to happen. But as long as Rodgers and Devontae are together, even if just for a year or two more, you, you got to consider him a top 10 wide receiver in Dynasty. So I really wanted to have him higher. The questions around Rodgers is why he falls to where he falls for me. That's based on one year. If you get one year out of Rodgers, that's where he's at, and that's fine. You get two years out of Roger, Rodgers, then he is – you put a little icing on the cake. You get three mm-hmm. years out of Rodgers – you get the you get the icing, the cake, and a cherry on top. He could easily move up into that two or three range. Yes. I, I still think he'd be behind Tyreek. But he could easily move up into that top three range if he and and Rogers stay together. And uh, imagine this: I mean, Green Bay's not known for paying big money to their free ag- to bring in free agents. But what if a couple years from now, Devontae and Rogers decide to walk together somewhere? True, very true. And, and it's always a possibility. So talk about walking. That's kind of why I landed on the guy. I'll go seven, eight now, okay? Yep. Um, that's kind of why I landed on who I have at seven. It's a guy that I think is historically hugely underrated. He's underrated this year. Eight might even be too low for him in Dynasty, quite honestly. He's produced with some horrific play at quarterback. Um, it's Allen Robinson. So he stays where he is with the quarterback situation he has. He's... It's you don't lose. He winds up. What if he winds up somewhere with a Aaron Rodgers type quarterback? Um, mm-hmm. Then it's like sky's the limit for that guy. But he's limited because he's he is where he is right now. He's not old. He's not young. He's a good age. I think he's twenty seven, twenty eight. Also, yep. so that's why I have him at seven. I did almost put this next receiver over him, but his quarterback's a little bit older. We don't know what will happen based on if they draft a younger guy. When do they go to him? Does he wind up, you know, being altered because of that? But it's Calvin Ridley. So I've got Allen Robinson at seven, Calvin Ridley at eight, and it's simply because Matt Ryan's a little older, and we don't know what we're going to get or how much more we're going to get with him before and possibly when there's a change. Well, you mentioned Calvin Ridley and Allen Robinson. It's interesting that this dynamic comes up at this point. Because I also have Kelvin Ridley and Ellen Robinson on the list of players I considered. However, for me, they actually went number 11 and number 12 in my rankings as far as the dynasty wide receivers go. I had Robinson at number 11. Uh, he's on pace for his fourth 150 target season. He already has his third 1,000 yard season. And like you said, he's only 27 years old. People think because he's been around for a while that he's much older than he actually is. He's only 27. Again, give him a legitimate quarterback in the future. He could climb up that list. And I've got Ridley at 12. Uh, I looked into Matt Ryan's contract. He, uh, he isn't going anywhere until at least 2023 unless he restructures. Uh, the penalties the next couple of years for him, if they were to cut him, are ridiculous. Uh, unfortunately, neither is Julio Jones. Uh, his contract in, has a lot of poison pills, too, if they decide to cut him in the next couple of years. So Kelvin will stay there. Uh, but he's going to consistently remain the second option or at best option 1A, and that's the only reason I have those two outside of my top 10. And the reason I have him over Julio at this point is, unfortunately, and I'm not a guy that likes to label somebody as um, injury-prone, but, man, that seems like that's going to be something that you've got to worry about with Julio moving forward. Well, Julio didn't even make my top 12, so that's not a problem at all. Again, I, I think like the situation there... If there was a way for Atlanta to get out of Ryan's contract or get out of Julio's contract, I think both of those things could potentially help Ridley. But there isn't. And perhaps maybe the thing that might help Ridley is the penalties of those two might be so high that Ridley is forced to walk after his contract expires. <laughs> Always a possibility. But here's the thing. Even with a fully healthy Julio, they, they targeted Ridley in the end zone a lot. He's a great target in the end zone. So... Anyway, okay, so then let's see. You're at six. Who do you have? Seven and eight, I think it is, right? Well, I, I did Devontae Adams at seven. Okay, that's right. Uh, my eight is Terry McLaurin. He is already a top ten wide receiver as a sophomore, despite having absolutely zip and pip at quarterback his first two years. His future there will only be brighter uh, again, it, it won't be worse. He, he, there's no way he could possibly get worse quarterback production than he's had the last the first two years. 
So you're, he's like Allen Robinson without as much of a resume. Exactly. Um, for what it's worth, McLaren makes my top 10. And for the reasons that you said, you know what you have with him. It can't get worse, right? So There's no way it could get worse. So I have him at 10. At 9, I have a guy that is as talented as anybody. I have to wonder how much his upside is limited by the team philosophy of running the ball. But it's A.J. Brown. You know, I, I put A.J. Brown in my top 10. He is number 10 for me. I'll go ahead and give you my 9 and 10. My 9 is the first and only rookie on my list, Minnesota Vikings' own Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins' contract will lock him into the Vikings at least through next year and likely 2022 as well. Uh, much like Terry McLaurin, Jefferson is already a top 10 wide receiver as only a rookie. And, and he's got skills at this point in his life, which makes me kind of put him uh, talent-wise similar to a young Odell Beckham Jr., just without Odell Beckham Jr.'s attitude. Okay, so go ahead and run down your top 10 for us. My top 10, uh, number one was Tyree Kill, number two, DK Metcalf, number three, Michael Thomas, number four, DeAndre Hopkins, number five, Stephon Diggs, number six, Keenan Allen, number seven, Devontae Adams, number eight, Terry McLaurin, Number nine, Justin Jefferson. Number 10, A.J. Brown. And then, like I said, Calvin Ridley and Ellen Robinson were literally my 11 and 12. So I believe that that means that we matched on eight because I did not have Michael Thomas and J.J. Okay. Uh, both of them for reasons of just don't know what to expect in New Orleans with the quarterback situation. Granted, he has performed both with Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill. But for me, all these other guys have much higher upside, I think. Um, he is more of a possession receiver. Maybe I'm not giving him his due. As for Justin Jefferson, we've seen it happen with, with sophomore receivers in the past also. But I don't know what to expect at the quarterback position in Minnesota. How long what's, what's, how long's Kirk there for? What happens Mm -hmm. um, run centric with Dalvin as long as Zimmer is the coach. Um, I think he's a great prospect. I think he's you know he's going to be a great wide receiver fantasy wise too. I just he's just on the outside of the top ten for me. Who is your ten then? I think we got your you you have your nine and ten. I have my well. I told you my nine was AJ Brown. My ten is McLaurin. That's right. So my my ten were Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs. D.K. Metcalf, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, and Terry McLaurin. Okay. Well, I was going to say, it looks like we matched on eight yep. overall, and then one as far as placing that being Tyree Kill. Yes, one. That was it. So we split there on the over-under. Let's get into the fun tight end position. <laughs> uh, tight ends are going to be much, much more interesting, mainly because... Under... It, it, <laughs> I'm going to say we're going to have seven matches as far as names on the board. And I think we're going to have four mat. I'm sorry, five matches in position, seven and five. I'm going to take under on both. Okay. Seven and five, you said. Man, I definitely yep. think we're going to match on the top two. Well, I, I will tell you right now that I did not include uh, Kyle Pitts on my list, although I think that he's very close to my top ten. Okay. <laughs> I have a note that says Rooks <laughs> at the number t number ten spot. Rooks. So I get what you're saying. Um, uh, okay, I'll I'll start by giving you my one and two, and I'm, I'm guessing they're going to be the same with you. That being Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Yep. I've got them in that order. Kelsey has five straight one thousand yard seasons. He's on pace to break every single tight end record on the books. Uh, age is the only thing working against him. He's now thirty one, but he loves the city of Kansas City, and they love him. There's no way that he's going to leave there at any point in the future. Obviously, Mahomes is under contract, so you don't have to worry about that. In the case of Kittle, injuries and inconsistent quarterback play has kind of slowed his development to some degree. Yep. But he was on pace for his third straight 1,000-yard season before getting hurt this year. Uh, as they straighten out their quarterback situation in the future, 
uh, Kittle's going to grow into that situation. And he's just he's, he's a warrior, absolute beast out there on the field. So, yeah, we match. And the exact reason why Kelsey is there is because he's got that young quarterback that I don't expect him to play a snap without unless it's an injured injury reason. Um, and Kittle, for exactly what you mentioned, if we knew the quarterback play would be better or more consistent and you can't help but look at the, the health issues, I think it's an easy call to make it a one-two right there with them. Yeah. Now we're going to start to get into the more interesting situation here. Uh, I think we'll have the same next three qu- – the next next three I think will be the same for both of us, but their order might be slightly different. I think that we'll have two of the next three together, and I think we'll probably land on the the next two in, in a row again. At that point, I think it gets squirrely. So at three and four, I have Darren Waller and Mark Andrews. We match on number three, Darren Waller. Uh, he's he's 28 years old. So Waller's actually older than George Kittle. Yep. But he is on his pace for his second straight 1,000-yard season. Uh, much like with the case with Kittle, there's some question marks around the quarterback situation there. Is Derek Carr for real? Uh, plus, there's a lot of other weapons that they're developing in their wide receiver game now. Uh, so there's certain things that they're going to push him clearly below the top two. But I think that based on the amount of uh, passes thrown his way, he still is clearly the number three. Now, for me, uh, at number four, I went with TJ Hawkinson. Much the same situation. I'm not sure what's going to happen with the coaching staff there. Yep. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Matthew Stafford there. But Hawkinson has quickly developed into a consistent top five tight end all season this year. And again, this is one of the things where he's been getting 60 yards and or a touchdown in every game but one this year. That is consistency. It's not quite Travis Kelsey consistency yet. It's not quite George Kittle consistency yet. But he's only in his second year. Let's give this guy a little bit of a break here. For what it's worth, he is my number five. And it's those question marks that you mentioned were why I had him below Andrews. At number five for me is Mark Andrews. Now, I'm not sure if Lamar Jackson will ever really develop as an effective downfield passer. But if nothing else, that will continue guaranteed usage for Mark Andrews going forward as an underneath target. Very true. Very true. So you, you were right. Those, those three were the ones, and we were just out of order on them. Um, it gets squirrely from here, my man. Very much so, very much so. <laughs> so let's take it one spot at a time, and, and we'll see if we can help make it make some sense that way. Um, at number six, uh, I went with a guy who, he's been out a little bit this year, even looks like he may be dealing with a quarterback change, which kind of made me almost not put him this high, but they don't really have the offensive weapons beyond it, and they always seem to, to like to use the position. I don't think you see a coaching change made yet, so I've got... No, not Zach Ertz. Dallas Goddard at number six. Ding, ding, ding. We have a match. How about that? Uh, Zach Ertz likely to depart uh, either after this season or after next. Uh, means Dallas Goddard's going to get a chance to emerge. Uh, he's proven himself to be the primary receiving option for Philadelphia already. But if you get rid of Ertz, obviously Elshon Jeffrey is not going to be there next year. Uh, it remains to be seen if Travis Fulgham is more than a drop in the uh, – dropping the pan that he was early in the season. He's completely vanished the last couple of weeks. But we could very well see Dallas Goddard as the top receiving option for either Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts or potentially some other quarterback next season there. Yeah, I mean, if if Ertz gets traded like I think will happen and Goddard becomes the guy and we see Wentz back to Wentz or Hurts progress to where he needs to be, I won't be shocked to see Goddard ascend up into that three range, quite honestly. He has that kind of talent. Oh, definitely. And they like throwing it to him. That, that's Absolutely. a big thing. That's always a big thing. Okay. So who do you have at seven? Uh, at number seven, I've got Bill Belichick's future tight end, Hunter Henry. Uh, now, if only Bill Belichick can find a quarterback to throw him the ball. Very, very um, <laughs> good point. <laughs> I don't have Henry there. Um, I have, like I said, I struggled from seven, eight, nine, and ten was just – it was a struggle. Um, I actually have Jonu Smith in that spot. Um, I know that his, if people are like, what have you done for me lately? The missed time and injuries hurt things. Um, he's got as much upside as anybody else you can throw in here right now. Well, talent's definitely there with Jonu. Uh, much like you're saying, though, I'm a little concerned about the fact that the 
offense as a whole has kind of been like, well, what the heck is going on with Janu? You see Anthony Ferkser, you see uh, Jeff Swain, you see all these other tight ends getting the ball and, and getting into the end zone. You're not seeing Janu. And again, if people think back to last season, when we did the same exercise, I'm pretty sure we both had Janu Smith in our top 10. Yeah, but because, so. of the, because of the issues this year, both with the health and the offense not utilizing him much to the degree that they should be utilizing him, he fell outside of my top 10. Okay. Who do you have at seven then? You have Henry. Who do you have at eight? Number eight, I'm going with Mike Gesicki. You've already noticed over the last couple of weeks a boost in main relationship between Gesicki and Tua Tagovailoa. That's the type of thing that Miami needs to build around. Now, it looks more and more like Gesicki is going to miss some time, starting with this week. So he won't get this week to continue to coalesce with Tua. But I think going forward, they're going to make a key part of the young offense they're building in Miami. So Gusecki's value lately, of course, has been TD-driven, but which tight end isn't usually, right? Um, mm-hmm. he, he did make my top 10, but he did not make it at 8. At 8, I have Evan Ingram. I don't expect him to be a giant next year. And, of course, that means I'm hoping he winds up in a good situation. We know that anybody that trades for him, they're not trading for him to be a blocker. Health is his only concern. What quarterbacks are you going to have is his concern. That's why he winds up 8 instead of top 4. Um, so I have Ingram at eight, and then I did have Gusecki at nine. Well, you mentioned Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram is actually my number 11 tight end. And what people might not know about Evan Ingram is he's only 26 years old. Yeah. He is a favorite target right now for Danny Dimes. Obviously, we don't know if Daniel Jones will be the quarterback there for the foreseeable future. We don't know if Evan Ingram will be there for the foreseeable future. But Evan Ingram is still young enough, and he still has enough receiving talent to move his way back into that top 10. I just, I put him slightly out because there's just a a few too many question marks about what his situation will be going forward at nine. For me, I went with Noah font. Now, ultimately time will tell if Noah font or TJ Hawkinson will be the better NFL tight end overall right now. Obviously I've got Hawkinson ranked higher than font going forward, but neither has true surety at quarterback. And in the case of font, there's actually more weapons around him to compete with for targets. But I do like the mesh that he had formed with uh, Mr. Drew Locke during the mid part of the season here before he got hurt. So I I think that Font has the upside to be a little bit more valuable than guys like we talked about earlier with Janu because I, I feel like as long as Locke is the quarterback there at least, which again, it's not a, a guarantee, that he will get his share of targets, even though there's a lot of other weapons there too. Okay. And so you've given your nine. Who do you have at 10? <clears throat> uh, number 10, this is the hard one for me. Like I said, I, I debated Evan Ingram. Uh, I ultimately went with Robert Tunyon. Because anyone catching passes regularly from Aaron Rodgers has value. I'm a little concerned about Tunyon's long-term prognosis if Green Bay ever develops a true wide receiver too. But for the time being, which again includes this year and next year, he's got double-digit touchdown potential. And that alone should carry him into the top 10 at the tight end position. So we you have my top nine, right? I only have 10 left. Is that what it is? Uh, yes. So here are the names I had written down. I had... <clears throat> Henry written down. I had Font written down. I had Tanyan written down. I had Rooks written down. But the guy that I went with that I didn't mention yet, I probably shouldn't have gone with him at 10. I'm going with him based on history. I'm going with him based on I expect him to be somewhere else. I'm going with him because where I expect him to be, I expect that he'll have a good relationship with his quarterback. So that's a lot of expectations. But if all that breaks, he's a top three tight end. For Zach Ertz. Two, maybe three years. And it is Zach Ertz. Yes. If, if we knew for certain where he was going. <laughs> Although, here's the thing. You can have a quarterback that you expect to break out by where they're going. And then they turn into Austin Hooper on you. Very true. <laughs> Very true. Um, 
I think if there's one thing this exercise teaches us, it's that, man, tight end might be... Take a top five tight end. Yeah, tight end might be deep, but really it's not that deep. Yep. So there you go. Um, Let's see. I'll run down my top ten again. It is Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, Andrews, Hawkinson, Goddard, Jonu, Ingram, Gusecki, and Ertz. And my top ten was Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, Hawkinson, Andrews, Goddard, Henry, Gesicki, Font, and Tunyon. So I believe, and you said Tunyon, so we matched on six, so the under hit, and yes. we had three in the same spot, so Wait, the under four. hit. You're right, four, because it got Goddard. That's right. Yep. Four, but it still hit because it was five. So six and, six and four, both unders hit, and that's where you're at. Excellent. Well, now that we've given these guys the rundown on how bad the tight end position is, hopefully we'll be able to find them some decent one-week tight ends to play in DFS. Sounds like a good transition to me. It is time for the DFS segment. For those that don't know, Harley and I do not discuss this in advance. Um, We will give you a pay-up, a stay-away, and a value play at each of the positions of quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and, as he mentioned, Tight end, but we will start with the quarterback position, and Harley will set an over-under um, on our matches for this segment. So what's it going to be? The line is at six for the second straight week. I'm going to take the over, and I think we're going to push. <clears throat> okay. Well, I'm going to tell you right away my pay-to-play at quarterback this week. We're watching right now, and that's Lamar Jackson versus Jacksonville. And we have a match. The namesake quarterback uh, should be playing as the Jacksonville quarterback because then they call themselves the Lamar Jacksonville Jaguars, right? There you go. That makes sense. (laughs) But against Jacksonville, he won't have to throw the ball, which basically plays into Lamar Jackson's strength. So at this price here, easy payup for Mr. Jackson. Can't disagree with you. Um and because I'm paying up for Jackson means I'm going to stay away from the highest price guy on the board. He had a rough week, kind of. Um, then you look at the scoreboard, and you're like, well, it wasn't that rough. But he's got to go into a New Orleans location where they're coming off a tough loss against the Eagles. They already don't give many points up to the um, quarterback position fantasy-wise. So I'm staying away from Patrick Mahomes this week. I really seriously considered Patrick here, but I just thought about it, and I thought to myself, well, this is still Patrick Mahomes. And Yes, New Orleans is probably going to tighten up their defense this week after a rough showing against the rookie Jalen Hurts last weekend. But it's still Patrick Mahomes. And there's one quarterback that I also think is going to struggle a little bit this week at the high price range, and that's Russell Wilson uh, traveling to Washington to face the football team. So, uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, Wilson has actually struggled recently against very good pass defenses and particularly very good pass defenses on the road. Now, obviously, home road splits don't mean nearly as much this year. But Washington has only allowed 10 passing touchdowns total over their last eight games. So I, I think with the ceiling for Russell Wilson this week is probably 290 and two as a ceiling. But there's a serious floor potential for Wilson of something like 201. So Russ was the other name I had written down, but I looked at price and decided to go with the higher price guy. So I crossed Russ out. So I'm with you on, on the reasons to stay away from him. And I'm fine with staying away from both of them. To tell you the truth. Now I'm curious if we're going to stay in the same value. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. The value play he's risky because we don't know about his injury um, status for this week. And I can't say that if he's out, I want to go with his replacement, but Seattle still likes to give up points. I know they didn't to the Jets, but it's the Jets. So Alex Smith is my value play this week. I, I have no problem with that. Again, I, I stayed away from him just because I don't like his injury prognosis for this two week coming up. Uh, the guy that I'm going with, <clears throat> you, you, you'd be surprised to find out that uh, this particular quarterback has the third most total touchdowns and the 10th most passing yards among all quarterbacks since returning as a starter just a few weeks ago. That being Mitchell Trubisky uh, traveling to Minnesota. 
games in Minnesota, so weather is not going to be a factor. Um, when you look at this, he's played six games where he's played most of the game. And in three of those six games, half of Mitchell Trubisky's games, he's thrown for three passing touchdowns. Now, Minnesota, their pass defense is considerably better than they were at the start of the year. But they still have allowed the fifth most passing touchdowns. So even if they don't give up 300 yards to Trubisky, Trubisky has a 50% chance, based on his stats this year, of throwing for three touchdowns against them. Uh, I, you won't get me to say that I don't like that as a play. Quite honestly, I do. Um, so, yeah, just I think people are probably scared just because it's Trubisky is the name. Uh, but as you laid out a pretty good argument for why you should go ahead and trust him. No, if Smith is healthy, I, I don't mind playing him this week in that game against Seattle. Seattle's defense has been better, much like Minnesota. They, they've started to get better as the season's progressed. I think a lot of that had to do with Jamal Adams coming back. Yeah. But it it's just, it's hard to do not knowing how how healthy he is or if he'll be even able to shoot up and play. I, I can't disagree with you. Like I said, I know it's a risk, and I think that that's why if he does play, that he might have some lower ownership because people are a little bit afraid of him. So I think it could be a calculated risk that's worth taking. Um, as we run on over to the running back position, if we don't get the pay up correct, we can't be friends or podcast co-hosts anymore. <laughs> It's Derek Henry at Detroit. <laughs> oh, no, that's not. Yes, of course, that's who I have. <laughs> you know what? Fantasy football playoff season and Derek Henry goes ham running the ball season. If you were to draw a Venn diagram, there'd be concentric circles. Yeah. Look, if, if for Derek Henry to have a bad week, it could still be 63 yards and five touchdowns. <laughs> exactly. And this is Detroit. They've given up the most total touchdowns to the running back position by about six over the next closest team. Yeah. No, this is he if he's as chalky as chalky chalk um milk magnesia can get. That's how Wait. chalky McChalkster. Here's what's crazy about it. I mean, we see guys like Christian McCaffrey being put out at prices on both sites of five digits despite coming off of an injury and, and facing a, a middling defense. Derrick Henry is facing the worst running back defense in the league and his DraftKings price is still in the four digits. That's insane. Yep. Well, he did he did break into five-digit territory for FanDuel just barely. But still $800 less than Delvin Cook was a couple weeks ago against the same defense. Oh, boy. Missed field goal for Parkey. Browns. There's a lot of those this week, wasn't there? Yeah. Inclu- including Dan Bailey here in Minnesota. Oh, a four on kicks. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, Browns miss an opportunity to go up ten to seven. Let's use this as an excuse to remind your league mates in redraft and dynasty formats to kick the kickers out. Yes. They're a useless position. Come on. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So now, since you talked about Dan Bailey, I'm just wondering if we're going to match on our stay away. I know it's not easy to do, but I'm staying away from Dalvin Cook. Uh, I'm not going there only because. Chicago's run defense has actually been permeable lately. Uh, I thought about him. I looked at the other guys up top, and, I mean, Kamara's facing a KC defense that can't stop anyone on the ground. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is coming off a huge game. He's going to face an awful Houston defense. Um, so there's there's guys I like at running back, so I kind of thought about avoiding Cook, but ultimately I decided to avoid James Robinson going up against this Baltimore defense that uh, – well, obviously, we're still watching the game right now, but as I mentioned earlier, uh, all of those guys who are out on defense because COVID, if they aren't back for this game, they will be back for that game. Yeah, so I didn't pick Robinson. I considered him. Um, I just don't see either of those guys getting three times value this week, so I decided to stay away from the guy that was higher priced. Um, I'm who- amazed that Delvin Cook got over 100 yards against Tampa last week. I was too. Um, <laughs> and I think that's the kind of ceiling that you see for him this week is 100 yards rushing and one touchdown and maybe a handful, not even a handful of catches, two or three catches. Mm-hmm. It just, it's, I can't see a scenario where I feel comfortable that he's going to wind up with 27-plus points. Yes. Uh, value play could be interesting. My value play pick is also in the game we're watching right now. Ah, and I, think I am doing something I normally don't do. I am stacking my quarterback and my receiver, not my receiver, my running back, 
against the Jacksonville Jaguars. If there ever was a team to do that with, it's Jacksonville. So I'm going to go with Jacksonville JK to go along with Lamar Jacksonville and make hope that they combine and run for 250 yards and four touchdowns. See, now, what is his price? 5900 on both sites. That 5900 on FanDuel is just begging you to play him. When, when FanDuel's price is at or below DraftKings price and you don't use that advantage, you, you just don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so, okay. So the guy that I really want to use as my value play, you're going to say it's not fair. You're going to go with Jonathan Taylor? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Um, if I knew that we could rely on Mark Ingram to show up next week and yeah. have a role, I'd say I'd go Mark Ingram. That's where I thought you were going to go when you, when you went to Dobbins, honestly. Because Ingram's what, like almost a grand less, basically? I, I think that there's a certain value to Ingram at his price tag, but he's averaged like three touches a game over the last four weeks. So, <laughs> Yep. So, but no, that's why I said, you know what? This is one of those times where Jonathan Taylor, $7,200, he's the fourth most highest priced running back on the board, but it's against Houston. They're at home. That's a value. I'll take it. I think he should be priced closer to that $9,000 range. One, so Dobbins is priced 14th on DraftKings. Uh, there's a guy actually priced above him other than Taylor that I thought about using as my value play, and that is another rookie running back, Cam Akers. Yeah. The Jets, yes. Okay, so we matched one there. So we got two matches going into the second half. Let's see what we can do at the wide receiver position. Um, who are you paying up for at the wide receiver spot? Uh, this guy was on both of our dynasty wide receiver lists. Uh, his name is A.J. Brown. He's facing Detroit. Detroit has allowed the third most receiving yards to opposing wide receivers. They have also given up large statistical days to each of the last five wide receiver ones they have faced. Brown, for his behalf, has nine touchdowns in his last 10 games since returning from injury. I... I I'm kind of disappointed by the number of receptions he's had over that stretch, but he's pretty much a guaranteed touchdown each and every week against Detroit. He should be able to get the yardage too. So I wrote down two names here. The first name I wrote down was not AJ Brown. He was the second name I wrote down and then I worked myself through it. And the first name I wrote down was Calvin Ridley, who I think has a pretty good matchup. Um, he seems to perform anyway. I think that they're going to need to have to, you know, play some catch-up, but at the end of the day, I crossed him off, and I went with A.J. Brown also. Um, save a little bit of money. I know it's payoff segment, but save a little bit of money. Get as much upside. Well, and so I did go with A.J. Brown, and the other guy that I considered was DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Philadelphia, uh, Darius Slay is in the concussion protocol right now, and even with Slay at the helm, that team has struggled mightily with number one receivers that were also possession receivers. Guys like Cooper Cups, guys like Keenan Ellens, they were all having huge. I mean, we're not, we're not talking just big games. We're talking off the charts games against Philadelphia this year. So I really thought about DeAndre Hopkins. On paper, it, it might not look like an easy play game, but then again, if Darius Slade doesn't play, and again, he is in the concussion protocol as of this morning. Right. So if he's not on the field, that defense gets that much worse, and he becomes a great play too. Probably be underowned, but ultimately I did settle on Brown also. Okay. So to stay away, you got Tyreek at Hill at the top there, 8,800. I already said I'm staying away from Pat Mahomes. So I did not want to compound that and stay away from Hill, honestly. Um, but I gave some consideration to him. Instead, I went with stacking the quarterback's wide receiver that you're staying away from. And I'm staying away from DK Metcalf this week. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give us a partial match for this. I went a little further down the list, and I decided to stay away from Tyler Lockett. And I'll, I'll get to this in a little bit here. I looked at the numbers here, too, because I kind of wanted to stay away from DK Metcalf because he was so much more expensive. But for whatever reason, number one wide receivers against Washington have actually put up fairly big numbers, despite the fact that their quarterbacks aren't doing much against them. I'm not totally sure how that all correlates together, 
But for whatever reason, like true number one wide receivers have had huge games against them this year. Yep. Now, what I can say with 100% certainty is that no team has put two receivers with good numbers against them this year. Uh, and for some reason, Tyler Lockett, he's still priced as a top 15 receiver on DraftKings. He's only had two big games all season. Those two games were huge games, but they were the only two big games he's held this year. Uh, you know what? Over the last seven games, Lockett is averaging five catches for 49 yards and one touchdown. There's guys in the $4,400 price range on DraftKings that have better numbers than that. Uh, Washington, like I said, one fantasy relevant wide receiver per game, not two. That guy will be Metcalf. And the reason that I also say I get what you're saying, but just that inconsistency we, that we do see and his price tag second highest guy on the board, that's why I decided to stay away from him instead. So I don't know. We never match at value play <laughs> at running back or wide receiver. It's just tough, right? There's just so many different options. A lot of names to choose from. I've, I've actually got two I'm going to go with here. So I'll, I'll give you two chances to match me here. Okay. I'm going to match on the first one. I'm going to go with Anthony Miller. Well, it's not a match to either of the two guys oh, I had. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I love me some Anthony Miller. I, I'll be the first one to say that. Uh. <laughs> it, it, go, it goes along with what you were talking about with regards to Trubisky as a play. And you know what? Minnesota's pass defense, while being better, still not great. Um, and I think we could see Miller pop some this week. Well, I will say this. From a standpoint of watching Minnesota's defense, their best cornerback right now is the slot cornerback, rookie Jeff Gladney. So if you're looking at potential matchups for Chicago's wide receivers, he'll probably be guarding a lot on Darnell Mooney, which might take him out of the value play consideration in that case, in which Anthony Miller and Ellen Robinson do tend to line up outside a little bit more. So I think that those two would be the choices if you were to go with a Chicago wide receiver to pair with Mr. Trubisky. I also kind of looked at Cole Komet as a possible pairing there too. Uh, the two guys that I ended up settling on as my value plays, uh, one I'm going with because I like the play, and that's Danny Amendola at Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee is allowing the fifth most total receiving yards to opposing wide receivers. Only five teams have allowed more wide receiver receiving touchdowns. And Amendola has kind of become Matthew Stafford's safety blanket with Kenny Galladay out this year. Now, the other guy I really like this year, it's going to come down to how serious uh, an injury was that might affect his playing time. Uh, Debo Samuel is probably not going to play this week. There's a good chance he might be out for the year now. And that means that we're going to see more of Richie James. Richie James is only 3,600 on DraftKings, 4,700 on FanDuel. He's facing Dallas. Uh, if he gets that increase in time, we saw what Richie James did in the game where every single receiver was out for San Francisco. Well, right now it looks like they're going to be starting James on the outside uh, opposite Brandon Ayuk, who is also good, but who I think is a little bit overpriced this week. And that means Kendrick Bourne will be lining up, taking snaps out of the slot, who is also a decent play option too, but I like Richie James just a little bit more because I think he's got more big play upside. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, that was also one of the things I loved about Anthony Miller. I thought $3,900 comparative to the people in that range. I thought that was a pretty decent price. Well, it's always nice to get a guy with potential that's in a game that you expect a game with a lot of points scored. If you can pair that person with the quarterback, yeah, it's easy to pair Mitchell Trubisky with Allen Robinson to be happy about it. But if you can get Anthony Miller and get a share of that game yep. and still have the money then to spend up for a different wide receiver that you really, really like – it's even better. And I misspoke. Not 3,900, 3, 3,400. So that's even better. Exactly. Okay, let's run on over to the tight end spot. Let's see what we can do here. Well, we already told you how bad the tight end forecast is for the future. Yep. Let's see how good they are for this week. I think that we might actually match on the first two. Very possible. Very, very possible. I'm paying up for Travis Kelsey. It's not the best matchup in the world, but I'm not going against Kelsey. Oh, we're not going to match. Oh. <laughs> I'm staying away from Travis Kelsey. I like can said, see the, that. The, the matchup isn't that awful. And, but much like you talked about earlier, I think Sean Payton's going to be pissed off after their loss last week to Jalen Hurts. Uh, they're going to go all in to try to shut down Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Um, and, and Kelsey, 
he's finally priced as an elite wide receiver instead of just the best tight end. He, he would be like the fourth priced receiver this week. The last couple of weeks, he's been in the $6,000 range, which is absolutely absurd. $8,8500, that's eh, probably where he should be. So again, he's going to have a big game. He always does. But he's just not going to create the value that my pay-to-play is, and that's Mark Andrews going up against Jacksonville. Uh, only the Jets have allowed more tight end touchdowns than Jacksonville. We know that's what Lamar likes to do is in the red zone. He throws it to Andrews. Uh, he's off COVID list tonight. He's going to be a big play next week, and he's going to save you $2,500 on DraftKings. So <laughs> Andrews, the exact reason why he didn't even make my list is because of COVID. He has um, diabetes, so that puts him at a low extra risk. I just I find it hard to trust him week to week at this point now. Just there's too much, there's too many breakouts going on, and just and look, I guess that that could play with anybody, right? But I think they'd even be more cautious with him if something happened in, you know, with, with within the Ravens team. So that's why I did not pick him. I don't disagree with it. I think it's a fantastic matchup, quite honestly. Well, I was going to say, who else do they have now? They uh, uh, Luke Wilson's on the IR now to join Nick Boyle, so that means Eric Tomlinson. <laughs> True. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I couldn't even tell you who their second tight end. I mean, I, I guess technically uh, Picard, their fullback, would be considered their second tight end. Yeah, probably. Um, who are you staying away from? I think we're going to match here to stay away. Well, my stay away was Kelsey. Oh, that's right. You said Kelsey. I'm sorry. Um, I'm staying away from a guy that he's priced enough, low enough that it really doesn't matter. But I'm staying away from Mike Gusecki against New England. You know, I, I put Gusecki down. And then I read someplace that it seems almost guaranteed that he's not going to play due to his injuries from last week. So I, I didn't include him just because of that. But he was actually my first pick there. So I, I would call that a match. Okay. Uh, it's not a match, but that's okay. You make me feel bad. <laughs> I, look, just logic and reason is if, if he plays, I, I don't trust him against Belt. Look, Miami looks good. It looks like they got a good coach. They're going the right direction. New, New England looks like they're not going in the right direction. Looks like they need a quarterback. Actually, they don't need a quarterback. They need some wide receivers. Um, they don't need a new coach. But Well, New England has allowed the third fewest yardage to opposing tight ends, and they've only allowed one tight end touchdown all season. Right Now, yes, they haven't faced a barrage of good tight ends, but, again, we said that Kasiki is on the way up. We, we like his connection with Tua. We, we like their potential future together. But he's, he's kind of, like you say, he's kind of touchdown dependent. And then it just doesn't give up touchdowns to the position. So. Well, and, and Belichick's like kryptonite for rookie quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not in Foxborough, but still, it's, it's been trouble. I mean, he handled Justin Herbert very, very well on the road in Los Angeles. So yep. I agree. Okay, who is your value play? Let's see if we can get a match here. Uh, this was a tough one for me. Uh, I settled on – basically, I went back and forth between two tight ends. Okay. Those two tight ends happened to play for the same team. Uh, I think we might have a match. <laughs> uh, I decided to go with the slightly higher-priced one in Tyler Higby. Uh, Jets have allowed the second most yards and the most touchdowns to opposing tight ends. And now Higby and Everett, they're pretty much in lockstep in terms of value on the season. The one exception being touchdowns. Higby's got more touchdowns than uh, Mr. Everett. Again, like we said, talked about the fact that they give up a lot of touchdowns. So I think that Higby's going to score this week. So I looked at them. I didn't write them down. I looked at them both. I looked at Everett first, and I was like, oh, that's so tempting. And I was like, let me see. And I was like, oh, man, 700 hours more. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Look at this guy. Ooh, new shiny thing. Oh, he came back this week. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Mr. Jr. Irv Smith Jr. is my value play this week. Oh, I, I, I like him too. Uh, you know, 3600 he's actually cheaper than Hinkby, a little bit more expensive than Everett. Uh, uh, Kyle Rudolph has pretty much played his way out of the rotation there. Uh, he was outless past week with an injury. But up until game time, we didn't really know what the injury was. Which is why I thought you were going to go with Irv when you said it was between two players from the same team. I thought you might have just been looking for the cheaper rate with, with what would go with the vet versus Irv. So that's why I thought. Well, if I, if I was going to do that, if I was going to have two players on that team, I, I would pay like 2500 for Tyler Conklin. Right. <laughs> 
Anyway. Who, did, who didn't even make my list here. <laughs> right. Oh, by the way, uh, my Will Disley claim from last week paid off. Touchdown there. Yeah. I think we did pretty we had a couple, we had a couple good hits last week, I think. Um, of course King Henry was a good hit last week. Keenan Allen I had as a pay up. I don't know if you had him as your pay up or not. Um we both paid up for Russ, which was eh. eh limited yardage but four touchdowns. Yeah. And but we stayed away from Watson and Kyler, right, between the two of us, and they seemed to be decent yep. stay away, so and we both paid up for Kelsey. So couldn't go wrong there. Anyway, that about does it for this week's show. Um, so for more insight, more help with your lineup, et cetera, feel free to reach out to Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. You can do the same with me at Steve Gallo NFL. Hard to believe we only have a couple more weeks, but you know what? These are the money weeks. So if you have not subscribed to the huddle.com yet, do so. You will not regret it. And it's not an annual, I shouldn't say, it's not a seasonal membership. It's annual from the time you subscribe. So you'll be good through this time next year. So don't think you're getting shorted. Um, and then, you know, we just want to make sure that we say, stay safe, mask up, and as always, get this responsible. Cheers. <laughs>